To be young, gifted, and black, we all know what it's like to be told that there is not a place for you to be featured, yet you are young, gifted, and black. We know what it's like to be told to say there's not a, a screen for you to be featured on, a stage for you to be featured on. We know what it's like to be the tail and not the head. We know what it's like to be beneath and not above. And that is what we went to work with every day because we knew not that we would be around during award season or that it would make a billion dollars, but we knew that we had something special that we wanted to give the world, that we could be full human beings in the roles that we were playing, that we, cre we could create a world that exemplified a world that we wanted to see. Well, folks, welcome back to the podcast. One man, one tree in a hill. I'm your host, uh, stand-up comic, two-time wrestling champion, Jared Waters. What you just heard is a clip uh, from the great late Chadwick Bozeman. And uh, this is the weekly roundup, but sometimes when events happen in life, if you're new to this podcast, this podcast is about being alone with your own thoughts, where we journey off and meet wonderful people around the world, and we make time capsules of life and time capsules of different people and different events, and we have another time capsule of what's happening. If you don't know, Chadwick Boseman is a is a is an actor, philanthropist, writer, director, executive producer, uh, most famous for his role of Black Panther. He recently passed away. He was dealing with stage four cancer. What we're going to do first is we're going to read the statement of what his team put out. And then we're going to highlight parts of his life and his impact. And then we're going to try to get to some events. If we can't get to all of them, you know, sometimes sometimes the way life is, you have to reflect on the times of what's happening. So this is a statement um, produced by Chad, Chad Bozeman, excuse me, his people. It is with immeasurable grief that we confirm that the passing of Chadwick Bozeman. Chag was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2016 and battled with these last four years as it progressed to stage 4. Now stage 4 is when you say you get stage 4 cancer, that's like, that's the worst part. A true fighter, Chadwick preserved through it all. He brought you many films you've come to love so much from Marshall to The Five Bloods, August Wilson's May Rainey's Black Bottom, and several more. All were filmed during these countless surgeries and chemotherapy. It was the honor of his career to bring King T'Challa to life in Black Panther. He died in his home with his wife and family by his side. The family thanks you for your love, prayers, and asks for you to continue to respect their privacy during this difficult time. And uh, he died on a Friday night. He died on a Friday night, and this is how I heard about it. Uh, my, my lady texts me and goes, did you hear Chadwick died? Now, I have a lot of cousins with the last name Chadwick, so I was like, which, my cousin? The first thing I did was I just went to Twitter, and I was like, oh, freak. Yo, Chadwick Bozeman died. And I was probably the only one at the comedy show. I, I stand-up comedian named Eva Evans, very super talented. You could catch her on BET. Um, and I show her, and she's like, you, f you effing lying. And I was like, nah, it's right here. We go to TMZ, we go to you know, Google, then my brother starts texting me. And then um and then I show the comics and stuff like that. 
and my friend, his name is Daniel. He is from Norway, and you know he's from Norway. And I was like, I said, in I was like, in forty minutes, you're about to see people slowly start dipping their heads. Just watch, as you know, as people, the news starts to spread. People feel it differently. And the crazy part about all this is, like, in the statement, that means he, since 2016, he's had cancer and he's been doing chemotherapy and he did all these movies as he had cancer. And there's pictures of, like, recently, like in April, where they where he made a statement about Jackie Robinson. He's talking about Jackie Robinson Day, but he just looks so sick, like, like sickly. And Narf was like, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's preparing for a movie role. But I was like... Yeah. I was like, man, he just looks like sick, like like sickly skin, frail body, everything else. And uh it's you know it's sad. I'm gonna play some clips, some clips from Chad with Bozeman. This this one that I found very interesting. And so he's getting interviewed and he's talking about his death. And the interview asked him again, and it's crazy how he was just like, I'm dead. This is Chadwick Bozeman on the red carpet. As he's the red carpet for this film called like Sticks. Here we go. You ready? The tickets. It's nuts. I mean, how does that feel to know that they love this film so much? It's great, but I'm dead. So I don't. I can't answer any questions about that. Oh, okay. So you want to give us a spoiler or anything like that? I'm dead. <laughs> what about Black Panther two? Anything? I'm dead. <laughs> no, I'm not ready for you to be dead, Chadwick. But I am. <laughs> See, but I am. I'm dead. And it makes more sense now. How, like, when you see these, there's, like, tons of clips where he was, he goes to all these, these cancer patients go to terminally ill hospitals, and he's talking to these kids, and it's, like, several things of him just, like, breaking down and crying, and, like, completely breaking down and crying, because he probably knew, you know, that, you know, his, his number was, he knew he had a day. He knew his day was coming up soon. I only, I never met Chadwick personally, but I've seen him when I first moved to New York, and he was hosting SNL, and this is when I didn't know how to break into parties. And he was like walking, like, like there's um on Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock is like New York City. You can see the artists walk into the building and stuff like that. So there's like an SNL after party, and I just didn't know anybody at the time. So like, how do you get to after party? Like, who are you? But he was coming out, and he would just stop, and just start dapping up people, just like you know what I mean. Hi, how are you? Blah blah blah. Super nice, super kind. And, like, he wouldn't let his team rush him out, and he would, like, stop and, like, sign stuff. I was like, oh, man, what a nice dude. And then um, I think that the, the reason why it's going to be a, a big deal, right, because he's more than just his characters. But sometimes when an artist transcends the art form, it affects the people. And, you know, of course, us black people are going to be take it, take it personally. But, you know, I've... I I know that kids are going to be devastated. I've seen young Jewish, Mexican, Palestinian kids walk around with Black Panther masks. Like this is the first time like little kids from all different races like love this character. You know, imagine a lot of black kids thinking there's a superhero that looks like them. I remember Black Panther came out in 2016 at the end and I was in Brooklyn. Right, Brooklyn. I'm like, when I say hood, hood niggas, I mean like some hood niggas was out there. And they walk up, and I was like, you know, I, you know, I back up a little bit to see you survey the situation. 
And they throw up the X. Yo, Wakanda forever. And I was like, the freak? What? The freak? He goes, yeah, y'all didn't see the movie? Wakanda forever. We got to stick together. <laughs> and then I was like, wow. And then I remember being in Egypt. And I remember, like, these other people just walking up, throwing the Wakanda sign to me. And I was like, wow. And in the beginning, I kind of was like, why are we? This, this movie's not real. And I'm, a, and I'm a Marvel head. Like, I remember I had the... The Marvel comic books. I had the DVD of Black Panther when they had the series where they like redid it and he beats up Captain America and he he marries Storm. Like I know about Marvel. Like I know what's happening. So I just wasn't aware of the culture impact of Black Panther because, you know, sometimes it's like when there's a wave of moments, I like to sit out the wave and see how big, you know, are people just bandwagon or do they really enjoy this movie but i was like wow this really is a good movie right so these people are walking up saying wakanda forever and stuff like that in brooklyn little kids are walking up wakanda forever and i was like man these kids my cousin richard and his wife his wife made a post about i'm gonna read his post i'm gonna read his wife's post about what she said a couple years ago about excuse me black panther Excuse me, I've been getting, excuse me, 2018, excuse me, I don't know why I've been saying 2016. That was 2018, there it is, 2018, that's what happened uh, when Black Panther was released. I don't know, I got my freaking dates messed up. But yeah, 2018, I was thinking about something else. But yeah, I was in, I forgot where, yeah, I was in, I was in Egypt when people were doing the sign, and I was in, where did we go in 2018? We were in Cuba, Cuba, and people were throwing the sign up when me and my lady were walking by, like other black, black Cubans and stuff like that. So this is a, a statement from my my cousin, right? She went to go take her boys, and her boys were very young, like five and six. She goes, so me and Richard took the boys to see Black Panther. We debated. He won. I wrote a blog entitled Black Panther, my boys, and a bit. Oh, free. Let's read her article then. All right, here we go. Around December, this is my, my cousin, she's a professor. Around December last year, my oldest son, RK, he came home from the daycare and asked for a Superman costume. Uh, we never mentioned Superman to him. We hadn't watched any Superman movies or cartoons with him, but for the next few days, he consistently asked for a Superman costume. I shrugged it off, something that he probably picked up at daycare, no big deal. The problem with RK's request is that his father, <laughs> Richard, was completely against it. Admittedly, it was rare for my husband to go completely no to the no stage. So quickly, the boys pushed him. His answer simply, the only superhero my boys can wear is Black Panther. I tried to push my husband a little bit, and I told him that uh, we could not force RK to like Black Panther. It should be a natural process. Richard didn't budge. I suggest that he purchase RK a Superman costume and purchase our younger son, Jimmy, a Black Panther costume so that we could both have representations at home. Richard still didn't buzz. He was just come telling me, kept telling me, once this movie comes out, you will see, and he would like it. The only, the only led, it only led me for another debate with RK at the age of three. Now, her kids are three and five at the time. Yeah, the debates don't impact my husband. His mind was made up. Our sons would be Black Panther fans whether they liked it or not. Meanwhile, RK continued to ask every few days for a Superman costume. Each time he responded, no, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Finally, February arrived. By this time, Arcade had pretty much stopped requesting Superman paraphernalia, and he would sometimes mention Superman, but Spider-Man and Batman are Pal Patrol and heavy rotation. Personally, I didn't think it was looking good for Black Panther. There were no Black Panther cartoon figures. 
associates for my son's character. None of them were fast food restaurants, Disney Junior, PBS. No one carried the Black Panther hero. Yet my husband was emphatic. Was emphatic. Excuse me. Black Panther would trump all of these superheroes. Personally, I couldn't see it. So I decided to do something that a wife and I occasionally found difficult to be quiet. Let it go. Trust Richard's decision. Richard and I dressed up in our best Wakanda-themed garbs along with my sisters and brothers and caught the movies. Needed to say, we were pumped. Pumped is actually an understatement. We left the movie theater, this all-natural, organically Afrocentric, black-centric, Afro-nacistic high, and we could not be contained. Richard's chest could have been exploded. I think it floated out of the theater. For two hours and 15 minutes, we had just been exposed to everything we knew could be its glory and its flaws. We watched the film channel our inner killmongers as we grappled into the nations and wanted systematic oppression left behind us. It treated us often to the threat of security. I kept trying to sum up my expression, and the only thing I could think and write of, I wish I would have seen this with my kid. I would have imagined myself as Shuri as a kid uh, and asked for the chemistry set for Christmas. Now here she goes. Now this is when her, her boy's in it. So this past Saturday, me and Rich took the boys to see Black Panther, but not before buying both the Black Panther masks and the figurines. I packed it up a great bag of snacks, diapers, wipes, sippy cups, extra clothes, underwear. Just This is when they just had them. On the way from the movies, after they seen the movie, I offered a few times to keep Jimmy home with me, but my husband wanted to take them both. On the way home from the movies, Richard called me on the speakerphone. I could barely hear them. Oh, because the husband took them. Richard took them. Okay. And I hear my boys yelling, Mommy, 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 Black Panther. RK tried to tell me the entire movie in two sentences. He fighted and hit the bad guys and was sad. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Shuri was fighting. The Black Panther is not bad. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Jimmy, who was not in command of full citizens, happily tried to fight back. Mommy, Mommy, Black Panther, Black Panther. <laughs> When they got home, you would have thought it was Christmas. Richard was proud as a peacock as the boys clenched their Black Panther figurines. Like most of them, we have given the world. Richard told me that the arc, Richard told me in the movie Arky, RK, excuse me, stared at the screen like he was in a trance while Jimmy restless for 45 minutes. The boys slept the night with their Black Panther figurines. They held them while they ate breakfast. They held them as they went to the store. <laughs> Arcade left us in the children's classroom, and it was almost a disaster. Also, the figurines have come become now our go-to disciplinary actions. When there's no bed, no Black Panther. Don't eat your vegetables, you can't get Black Panther. This is why no one in our black community is surprised that Black Panther has grossed over a billion dollars in its movie sales. Representation matters. Representation sells. Children soak up images like sponges. These images send the messages about life, relationship, gender, power dynamics, cultures. Black Panther the figure, Black Panther the movie provided a new image to create new messages. Clearly Richard got the message before I did it. It's okay. Coming through this loud is clear as I write this blog. Besides, I have my own message. I wanted to send my boys. With or without Black Panther, there is a superhero in the necessary fixtures of our lives, which is their father. He's a real-life superhero to the boys, and this is when they start making love. But... That was uh, my cousin, and they have two little boys. Their boys are like six and they're six and six and like five. They might be seven, seven and five. But they watched this movie when they were young, and the same experience that these boys are getting. I see all these kids walking around with Black Panther book bags, Black Panther thermoses, and then that's when I realized, like, oh, this is not. This is bigger than the culture. This is a culture event. I remember being at church at Bible study, and this black dude in my Bible says, no, 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 greet me as the Wakanda greeting. I was like, man, just shake my hand off. <laughs> and I realized that sometimes 
the art form is just representation matters, right? So I watched Black Panther in two different settings. I watched it in like Times Square, like in a nice theater, and then I had to get the authentic experience. And I watched it in Harlem. And I wanted to do the real Harlem, so I went at a matinee <clears throat> at 11 o'clock in the morning because I knew people wanted to get a, you know, get a deal. And it took us 40 minutes to start the movie because people were fighting in there. And it was very funny. You just see the lady, uh-uh, oh, uh-uh, hold up the movie, uh-uh. Whoever's in 24B, get up because you in my seat. Then the guy in 24B, well, whoever's in 45F got to get up because that's my spot. Then the guy in 45F, well, we all standing up and finding our assigned seats. And if you sneaking in this movie theater, it's not the night. So the, the AMC people, this is an AMC theater, because they do these things where they sit you by whatever seat you are. So you see flashlights buzzing. Movie don't start in 40 minutes. My friend Marshall, who was on the podcast, he got up to him, brother, this is too ghetto, brother. I can't, I can't be around this ghetto-ness. I said, I can't. This makes the movie more authentic. So for 40 minutes, we're all shuffling to get our seats. And then this black lady goes, are all minds and hearts clear? Does everybody got their seats? Good, let's sit down, let's watch this movie together. Let's black people, let's do it. And you just see these, you just see people who are not black just like, what the freak is going on? But it's just like, you see people sitting on the floor. And then this other lady walks in, hold up, my son's handicapped. He needs his own seat, so we don't need 34F because he going to be sitting in his wheelchair. So I got an extra seat, whoever want to sit down. So I'm sitting there laughing. And then the movie starts, right? The movie starts, and black people are cheering. Everyone's cheering. Just everyone. Everyone in the movie theater is cheering. People are hugging each other. Everyone's wearing these Afrocentric um, garbs and stuff. And then when you walk out the theater, another load of theater. So in Harlem, there's like maybe 10 movie theaters in the Magic Johnson Theater, and eight of them were showing Black Panther. And I asked the lady, I was like, how much? She goes, we've been sold out for the past three weeks. So representation matters. You know, it's a great movie. You know, a great movie. And this is how I knew how much Black Panther affected people. Now, the Infinity Wars happened in 2000, and I think the Infinity Wars happened in 2019, 2018 as well, the Infinity Wars. Yeah, the Infinity War happened in 2018. So right after Black Panther, the Infinity War happened. Now, <laughs> this is how I know how big of an impact Chadwick Boseman made in only a year. So if you watch the Infinity War... Thanos snaps his fingers and half of the people disappear and Black Panther dies in that movie, right? So I mean, I watch it in Harlem again. I watch it in Harlem again and uh, Black Panther, get up, get up, get up. This is no place to die. Hamba. And next you know, Thanos snaps his fingers and he disintegrates. The theater is quiet. Everyone goes, oh, T'Challa. Then I hear this black guy in the back Oh, nigga, we just got him. Come on, bruh. They just took, we just got a hero. They gonna take him away? <laughs> I hear that as loud as I can. I bust out laughing because clearly these guys aren't Marvel fans. They don't know things come back. But it's crazy that Marvel gave us a preview of what was gonna happen. My friend Jonas present dude. Uh, he hasn't been on the podcast yet. One of my, my dear friends in comedy. We started together in Tampa, Florida. We we talk dang near every every two weeks. He lives in L.A. I live in New York. We call each other and check on each other and stuff like that. We're real brothers. And he goes, he's in the business. So he's he goes, dude, you can't tell me that Marvel didn't know about Chadwick Boseman. And I was like, yeah, they probably, they probably did know about him. So it's just like it's crazy how they, 
I'm not going to say they did that, but it's just like how the audience got used for a moment to be like, man, maybe Black Panther won't be here. And the response, I mean, I recorded the response. I recorded it twice. So this was when, and this is the Infinity, because me and my lady watched the end game. We watched it in France the day before we got engaged. And then we watched it in, it came out the 22nd? It came out the 20, yeah, we watched it in France first. And the way these French people were cheering, as soon as they saw the Black Panther, was like, man, we're all the way in France, and they started cheering. And then the way they started cheering in America. So this is the end game when Captain America hears, you know, Sam saying, Captain, on your 20. And then when Black Panther walks out, the theater just erupts. Here we go, folks. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. The pop that he got, because when, when, um, when they brought everyone back, Black Panther was the first person to appear, him and Shuri. And that movie theater went crazy inside there, man. And uh, I know Chadwick Boseman is more than that character. But it's just amazing how when you do something and it resonates with the people, that it's bigger, it's bigger than what he represented, you know? King T'Challa. Uh, I want to go through some other, if you don't know, Travis Bozeman went to Howard, we're going to go through his bibliography. And this is a story that um, a story that they wrote and produced. At Howard, Bozeman, he pursued his BFA in directing, which is quite by accident led him into acting. Directing students were required to take acting classes to help them understand how to work with actors. And one class was taught by Bill Cosby, Cosby Show, Felice Rashad. Now, Felice Rashad is a Howard alumni that took special interest in Bozeman and encouraged him to apply for a summer program at Oxford University. He auditioned and was accepted, but couldn't afford to go until Felicia Rashad recruited a friend to pay for his tuition. Bozeman only learned after a matter of time abroad that his beneficiary, beneficiary had been Denzel Washington. And Bozeman told Denzel Washington the story on the carpet of Black Panther, New York's premiere, in which Denzel Washington responded, Oh, so you owe me money. That's why I'm here to collect. So it was just very, like, very amazing that, excuse me, very amazing that Denzel, you never know, like, paying it forward. Who could do it? You know, paying it forward. Uh, this is another one I want to play. This is Chadwick Bozeman. Excuse me, this is Chadwick Bozeman uh, talking about terminally ill cancer patients. So there's going to be a lot of clips of Mr. Chadwick. Uh, from cancer. And... Throughout our filming, I was communicating with them, um, knowing that they were both terminal. And and what they said to me is, and their parents said, they just, they're trying to hold on till this movie comes. Mm. And I, to a certain degree, you hear them say that and you're like, like, wow, that's... Like, 
I got to get up and I got to get up and go to the gym. I got to get up and go to work. Um, you know, I got to learn these lines. I got to work on this accent. Uh, you know, seeing how devoted all of my castmates are and knowing that 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 will be something meaningful to them. But it's to a certain degree, it's, it's a humbling experience because you're like, this can't mean that much to them, you know. But seeing how the world has taken this on, seeing how the movement, is, how it's taken on a life of its own, I realized that they anticipated something great. And um, I think back now to a kid and just, you know, uh, waiting for Christmas to come, waiting for my birthday to come, mm. uh, waiting for a toy that was going to, that I was going to get a chance to experience or a video game. I did live life waiting for those moments. And so it put me back in the mind of being a kid just just to experience those two little boys' um, anticipation of this movie. And when I found out that they... Take your time with it. That was uh, Chadwick Boseman talking about two terminally ill kids, and at the same time, he's he's uh, he's dealing with uh, dealing with colon cancer. And sometimes it's it's crazy that when you know your day is coming, your impact is more. Dude, all of his speech I've watched like maybe thirty of his speeches, and they're all just so motivating. Like I was like, dang, he kind of knew. And he was, like, making an impact, you know what I mean? So, like, I said, you know what, I know I said that a lot. But this is him. There's another clip of him giving the flowers to his uh, his mentor, Denzel Washington. We're going to play this clip. Here we go. Country where I know you have also inspired and motivated others. An offering from a sage and a king is more than silver and gold. It is a seed of hope, a bud of faith. There is no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. And, 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 and not just because of me, but my whole cast, that generation, stands on your shoulders. The daily battles won, the thousand territories gained, the many sacrifices you made for the culture on film sets through your career, the things you refused to compromise along the way, laid the blueprints for us to follow. And so now, let he who has watered be watered. Let he who has given be given to. It is an honor to now know you, to learn from you, and join in this work with you. May God bless you exceedingly and abundantly more in what's in store than he ever has before. God bless you. That was uh, Chadwick Boseman honoring Denzel Washington. That's crazy that Denzel gave him pretty much, <clears throat> excuse me, what the freak. It's crazy how Denzel Washington pretty much gave him a start, you know, maybe by putting his college tuition up for him to go to that go to Oxford University. Now we're going to do uh we're going to do Chadwick Boseman's. We're going to do his bibliography cuz sometimes cuz he's from South Carolina, he's a southern boy. 
So I think that's amazing that, you know, sometimes do from a small little town, small town, and just making changes. Small little town. Here we go. So if you don't know Chadwick Boseman, uh, he's an American actor, producer, played several historical figures, Jackie Robinson. And after he played Jackie Robinson, they started doing the honorary 42. Where is that? He played James Brown and Get Up, and I don't want to critique. That's the only film where I thought he shouldn't have took James Brown. That should have been to the late great. Excuse. Oh, my God. No. I will not say that. I think he should have. Eddie Murphy should have played James Brown. I don't care what anybody says. Eddie Murphy has the best James Brown. Hey, what's do with that? But that was the only movie I thought that James Brown, that Eddie Murphy should have played. But let's go there. Here we go. Chadwick Boseman was born and raised in Anderson, South Carolina. Now, that's in the, the backwoods of South Carolina. To Carolyn Leroy Bozeman, both African-Americans. His mother was a nurse, and his father worked in a textile factory managing ups, up, excuse me, uh, a business as well. According to Bozeman, DNA testing indicated that his ancestors from Sierra Leone and were Yoruba people from Nigeria. Bozeman graduated from T.L. Hanna High School in 1995. His junior year, he wrote his first crossplay called Crossroads. Wow, Crossroads, man. He staged it at his school for his classmate uh, after a classmate was shot and killed. Bozeman attended college at Howard University, H.U. in Washington, D.C., graduated in 2000 with a bachelor's degree in fine arts and directing. One of his teachers was Felicia Rashad, who became a mentor, and she helped him raise funds, as we just talked about, notably from her friend Denzel Washington. So Bozeman and his classmates could attend Oxford Midsummer Program in British American. Oh, oh, they went to London. Okay, British American Drama Drama Academy in London. So now it makes sense. He had to make money to go to London, to which they had accepted, been accepted to. Bozeman wanted to write, direct, and initially began studying acting to learn how to relate to actors. After he returned from his after he returned back to America, he graduated New York City's Digital Film Academy. He lived in Brooklyn. At the start of his career, Bozeman worked as a drama instructor at the Junior Scholars Program at Schoenberg Center in the Black Culture. Oh, is it Harlem? Golly. Uh, he moved to New York and eventually moved in 2008 to Los Angeles to pursue his acting career. Bozeman got his first television role in 2003 uh, in an episode of The Third Watch. The same year, Bozeman portrayed uh, Reggie Montgomery in the daytime soap opera All of My Children. Uh, but he stated that he was fired after voicing his concerns to the producers about the racist stereotypes in the script. Okay, here we go. The role was sequentially recasted, clearly. Bozeman, future Black Panther star Michael B. Jordan, assuming the role. His early work included episodes of Law and Order, CSI, ER. He also continued to write plays with his scripts, Deep Azure, and performed in Congo Square in Chicago. It was pretty much a touring company. Oh, here we go. In 2008, he played a recording role in the television series Lincoln Heights. I remember that show. And Express, he landed his first regular role in 2010 for another television show called Persons Unknown. Bozeman had his first acting role in 2013 for Film 42 as he played Jackie Robinson. He directed an off-Broadway show in the East Village when he auditioned for the role and was considered giving up acting and pursuing directing full-time at 25 at about 25 actors had been seriously considered for the role, but director Brian Heldred liked Bozeman so much that he casted them. Jackie Robinson's widow, Rachel Robinson, commented that Bozeman's performance was like seeing Jackie again. 2013, he started in a role called The Kill Hole. A few weeks after that, Chadwick Bozeman, <clears throat> Bozeman, I think I'm Bozeman. Okay, here we go. Uh, here we go. 
Later on, he played Jackie Robinson Get On Up in 2016. He started portraying the Marvel character T'Challa in Black Panther. Okay, that's why I keep saying 2016. We first saw Black Panther in 2016 during Captain America's Civil War. That's what I, that, now I understand why I keep saying 2016. So that's why the buzz was bubbling about Black Panther. Okay. And then in 2019, pretty much Marvel, 2019, Chadwick Boseman said he wanted to do more films that affected his people, and he started doing 21 Bridges about NYPD detective who shuts down 21 anonymous bridges in Manhattan to find two suspect cop killers, and it was announced in 2000. Netflix, good. Here we go. According to the film, Boseman was a virtuous actor who had a rare ability to create a character from the outside and the inside. He knew how to fuse the role and ethnicity Yet, like Black Panther, The Guardian, Peter Vogue, Chadwick Boseman's persona of a lost American prince continued to spread throughout the world. Boseman began dating singer uh, Tyler Simone in 2015. The two reportedly got engaged in 2019. They later married secret, as revealed Boseman's family statement. Boseman raised, was raised a Christian man and was baptized. He was part of a church choir, youth group, and his former pastor said he still kept his face. And this is talking about his death. He was diagnosed three. We already talked about that. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, this is a statement from President Obama. To be young, black, and gifted, to use the power to give them heroes to look up to, to do all the to do that all while in pain. What a use of all of his years. Good. And we're just not going to read all the other celebrities. You can read that on your own. Uh, the celebrities doing it. But uh, that's Chadwick Boseman, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, what a life to live. What a legacy to live behind. Doing all that with colon cancer. And I read this thing with Spike Lee said, and they asked him, what was it like filming with him on the set? And he goes, we ne nobody knew that he had this. Nobody knew. But when that, watch that, that clip when he goes, I'm dead, that 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 effed me up. But Chadwick Boseman was funny. This is one of my favorite sketches. Uh, it's an SNL sketch. And I, for, I think Brian Tucker said he wrote it. But it's a very funny SNL sketch. I'll play that one. Here we go. This is about uh, Black Jeopardy. Let's go to white people for 400. <laughs> okay, let's try it. Your friend Karen brings her potato salad to your cookout. Uh-oh, T'Challa. I think I'm getting the hang of this. Before I answer, a few questions. This woman, Karen, she is Caucasian, eh? Yes. And she has her own recipe for potato salad, eh? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I understand. It is noble that she would volunteer to cook for everyone. And although I have never had potato salad... Of course. I sense that this white woman does not season her food. That's right. <laughs> and, and if she does... It is only with a tiny bit of salt. That's exactly right. Yeah. And no paprika. No paprika, no. And she will probably add something unnecessary like raisins. I know, right? So, something tells me that I should say. Say it! Oh, hell no, nah, Karen. <laughs> Keep your brand ass potato salad to yourself. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Keenan Thompson is amazing. Now it makes sense. Okay, it was 2018. That's where, okay, 2018. That's why I was trying. I was trying to break into an SNL party in 2018. And I was I was trying so bad. But now I got the hang of it, how to sneak in and how to, you know, I know people now, so now I can get in there. But, uh, yeah, that was 
that was Chadwick Boseman on SNL, uh, doing funny. I love, I love, I love funny stuff when actors can take off their cool and just and just be funny for a minute. And we're gonna get out of here with this. I know we could we could wrap up the week. There's other news, a lot of stuff that you've been emailing me about. But we're gonna. Sometimes in life you gotta you just gotta talk about what's going on, you know. Uh, yeah, we wanna make well, we yeah, we wanna make it to. I wanna play this one. This is when. This is and then we're gonna we'll, we'll, you know what? we'll freaking do it. We'll 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 do the Woody's roundup. You know what I mean. Uh, this is just a longer version of the Woody's Roundup. This is when these actors, these actually some of these are stand-up comics where they got to tell Chadwick Boseman what they mean to them. Here we go. Thank you from the very bottom of my heart for all that you've done, um, for really being a hero um, that we really need in a time like this. Thank you so much. Darren, I think there's something wrong with your microphone. Oh! this is the best one when the little mother tells her um, my son's childhood has been defined by Barack Obama and now Black Panther so thank you hey that's way too much praise <laughs> Barack Obama no 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 you are gorgeous gorgeous family that gorgeous. is unexpected gorgeous family wow what a surprise Color. Just seeing this movie made me realize that our stories need to be told. There's so many of us out here who are trying to create great things, and I was just so inspired as someone who wants to make movies one day and wants to inspire people that art can really change the world. What type of movies do you want to do? <laughs> what type of movies? <laughs> My name's Kwabana Bo Ofe. I absolutely loved this movie. You guys killed it. But on a personal note, my father is African. He's from Ghana. He's a scientist. My mother, my sisters, brilliant African-American women. So basically everything that represents me was honored in this movie. I've seen the movie twice in theaters already and once on bootleg. <laughs> it was incredible. Thank you. Wait, you go bootleg my movie? <laughs> H, you, you know, I am a Howard University student, and that is your alma mater. I am so, so, so very proud to say that a bison is T'Challa, the Black Panther. Seriously, when you made your, your big scene, when you came out, I, I shed a tear. It was a big deal for me and my friends, and definitely Howard University. So I just want to say thank you so much for showing us that there are avenues for us. Ain't you? This is Shalay with Sharp. Shalay with Sharp, stand-up comedian, very funny, all over New York. If you ever want to follow her, she's in Vulture magazine, top 15 comics to watch. This is her 
talking to Chadwick Boseman. Just super funny. I've done a lot of shows with her. Kids, um, representation is very important. Um, it gives the kids, like, hope and... It gives them the confidence to say things like, hey, are you Killmonger's mama on the street when I'm going to work? I appreciate that. I thought I had a stylish haircut. Uh, you also got me to see an action movie. Didn't see that happening. Um, they were sharp? Oh, no. You should, no! You should work in show business. <laughs> that was... Now what am I supposed to Now do? you're beloved. <laughs> you're beloved right. Everybody. I don't know if that... So yeah, that was good, man. Give the people roses while they were here. And sometimes when you know your date is coming, that's when the impact starts hitting more. Uh, cancer just hits. I don't got cancer, but it's just a lot of my friends had cancer, and it's just so sad. One of my dear friends, she had breast cancer and survived. And if I would have lost her, man, I would have been effed up. My aunt, she had cancer. That effed me up, man. Her. Seeing someone shrivel up in front of you, man, is the hardest thing ever, man. So just freaking my friend Dana died of cancer. Like, dude, it's, I freaking hate it, man. I freaking hate cancer as a staff, corporation, and record label, man. I'm, I'm, I hate that it's on this earth, man. And it takes people out, man. So when people survive cancer, like, freaking show them love. All right, let's let's get to the, uh, freak, we're in 40 minutes. We're not going to go that long today. I just want to. Some events that just happened inside this world that we've been really wanting to talk about. <sighs> this is, uh, if you don't know, Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was a black man who shot seven times. Seven times. And this it's been a rough week, man, because it's like this Jacob Blake shot seven times. What happened was he was allegedly breaking up a fight. They called the police, and the police tried to arrest him instead, so he tried to walk off, and they shot him seven times in the back. Seven times in the back and Kentucky, Kenosha, and now there's riots happening there. We just got to stop killing black people, man. It's it's like we just got to freaking stop. And it's, it just sucks, man, because I understand as I understand like when he I, I understand my friend brought up this point. He goes, I saw him reaching in his car and I get it, reaching in his car for something. I get that. But there's four police officers there. You tell me four people can't hold down one person? How do you guys all have him down? He gets up and walks to his car. How does that can freaking happen? You know? So Jacob Blake and this I can sum it up best. I know this it seems like this episode's a whole bunch of clips with Robert Ori, if you don't know, seven time NBA champion. His statement about Jacob Blake was the best statement ever. How a lot of black men, black fathers feel out here. Here we go. In the back. And then I have this conversation. You know, for me, in today, well, yesterday, you know, I was sitting there and I started crying. And my wife walks in. She's like, are you crying because you turned 50 today? And I started laughing. I'm like, no. I said, did you see the video of this guy getting shot? And first, I, I, and I saw it. I'm looking at it. I thought, well, maybe they're going to tase him, right? Because that's what they do with white people. They tase him. And so I, I didn't have the volume up. And then Christian walks in the room. He says, no, Dad, they shot him. So I play it again. I'm like, wow. They shoot this guy seven times in the back. And then I have this conversation with Christian. And he's like, that's not, that's wrong, that's wrong. I said, yo, it is beyond wrong. It's just flat out evil. And I'm telling him, and it's hard 
to tell your 14-year-old son that I worry about him when he walks out that door. I have a 21-year-old son. I worry about him because black men are, 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 are endangered species pretty much. People are, these cops are just killing because they feel like if they don't have their body cams on, they have a right. And I tell my kids all the time, I said, dude, I don't care what's going on because at the end of the day, I want you coming home to me. If you have to lay down on the ground and they can kick you, beat you, at least you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to come home to me. Don't, whatever they say to you, don't take it upon yourself to let that rage you have against that cop come out because he has the gun. He can end you. And I don't want him to end you because if he ends you, that means I'm going to end him. <laughs> and, and I know that's wrong for me to say, but I'm so I'm so much a time to kill type of guy like Samuel Jackson, you know, if, and this is going to happen with me. And I said, I don't want that to happen. I already lost one child. Yeah. I don't need to lose another. And and I don't think people understand, especially white people, how hard it is for black people to watch that. And it was tough. I saw it like freaking, I saw it like six times. And another thing, police don't have their body cams on. Now, my friend, you know, whatever you support Trump or if you support Biden, whatever you do, wrong is wrong, man. You know, don't tell me like you thought something else was happening. I get that. A lot of my friends are cops, and I asked them what their personal opinion was, and they let me know like, hey, he was reaching for something in his car. And I was like, how many of you does it take to hold down one dude? And he goes, yeah, you're right. You know, and cops, they have a code where they don't snitch on each other. They don't do everything else. But, you know, there's a thing, with, especially as a man, you feel insulted when another man is yelling at you and telling you what to do. So as a black dude, you have to be, you don't have to be, but we've come to this point where you have to be, it's like someone clipping your nuts off. You know, I've been in a situation where a cop is demeaning to me, saying stuff I don't, but I know he's trying to piss me off so I can have stuff. And I was like, you're right, I'm wrong, sorry. All right, you can get out of here. But I know he was looking to see, like, is this kid going to freaking rage up so I can just bust his freaking teeth open? I felt that, what he was on. So imagine a person who is tired. Imagine a, a black dude who's tired, just got off work. He's like, yo, why are these cops effing with me? And then all of a sudden that outburst of rage turns into seven shots, you know? Freaking sucks, man. Freaking sucks. And it's just like, how many times can we do a podcast about some black person that's killed by a cop? We could freaking do, we could do... 30 episodes. I think I can name 10 episodes where we're talking about someone being killed. Then the riots start. Then everything else. And, like, don't tell me about are people telling me, what does, what does Target have to do with this shooting? I was like, F Target. You know, that's why their name is Target. They know what's going on. They got insurance. But then other big news, and we'll get out of here with this. It's a young boy by the name of Kylan Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse is a 17-year-old boy. He crossed over state lines with AR-15 and killed three, uh, killed three protesters. Killed three protesters, shot him dead, killed two, injured one, uh, killed a white dude, skateboard dude. And he hit him with a skateboard to try to protect people, and he was killed. My thing is, like, even when you see him, he's 17, he walks to the cops, nobody arrests him, no one do everything, and they kind of, like, dap him up. And I think the best thing that's happening, it's going to sound crazy, but is these cameras are on. The cameras are rolling, so you get to see what's really happening out here. And it has to get worse before it gets better. You know, the good thing is that people care. 
you know, but I think that if it keeps happening, people are going to start like, oh, man, I, another march, another this, you know, now it's summertime, you know, people stop marching, the the Black Lives Matter, people are still marching, but there's a lot of people just like, let's go to brunch instead, let's go eat outside, and sometimes I feel bad, I feel bad, I'm doing stand-up comedy, I'm out here doing shows, and I probably should be out on the lines more, but I know there's different ways to affect, you know, my my gift is more I can talk about my emotions and talk about to a crowd how I'm feeling or how other people are feeling. You know, maybe there's just different roles of the movement and, you know, I can't get arrested. My job won't allow me to get arrested. But uh, this was the Woody's Roundup. I know it's completely different. We want to say rest in peace to Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, a lot of good episodes coming up to the people who keep asking about the One Tree Hill episodes. I promise I'm going to knock them out. But it's uh, it's just kind of hard, you know, it's... Uh, been I've been super busy, super busy, super busy. A lot of, a lot of stand up, a lot of good things happening. A lot of stuff I can't really sign an NDA, so I really can't talk about it. But a lot of good content coming from this. So to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we got some good episodes coming out with some wonderful people that I've met and spoken with. Uh, to my dear friend Roland Doja, aka Garrett McCall. My brother, take us out with the theme song. Hey, you're live on the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. And they're all sitting at the table. And I walk up to Eddie Murphy. And I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over she wants it private but y'all not even together right now so we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months and then i said and i said uh-uh and i am be the next jamar neighbors yeah. and she was up like i know that's right <laughs> uh ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to the podcast my name is jerry waters and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.